Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Yes, sir. And if you hear the jingles in the background, it's almost Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun of recording at home, right? Just <laughs> you have to live with your environment. Yeah, I live with my environment, but I think it'll go towards what we're trying to do when we start watching these soccer movies. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we want to. So this is something we're going to we're going to figure out exactly when we're going to do it. But like once a month, um, just as we we have you know, once a month, Strive is coming on and today Strive is going to come on and, and talk to us about culture. Um, but just as we we're doing that once a month, uh, Duane and I and whoever else is hosting at that point in that week that comes on. Uh, we're going to watch soccer movies like and then we're not talking about like soccer documentaries. We're talking about like fictional soccer movies uh, that have been made. A lot of them probably from a long time ago. Uh, and we're going to watch them and then we're going to try to like talk about how they possibly do or do not relate to current soccer world or the youth world that we live in. Um, so just wow. to give you some examples, uh, we're talking uh, goal one, goal two. Living the dream is that what it's called or something like that? <laughs> um, uh, uh, I wanted to do the big green. Um, Airbud. Airbud. Air I don't know how that one relates a lot. Right off the bat, without having watched it in a long time, I don't think that'll one relate. But maybe um, kicking and screaming. Uh, bend it like Beckham. Bend it like Beckham. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, She's the man. Think like a man, or uh, not think like a man. <laughs> not think like a man. No, that's a that was a different. That was with Kevin Hart. Different, different movie. Uh, she's the man, right? Is that the one? Something like that. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, I'm mixing up my movies. Um, hey, so the biggest thing is I think that the minivan may have phased out from travel. Like they're not as heavy as they used to be. No, now we're people rolling up in trucks. <laughs> people rolling up in trucks and big suvs or like suburban style suvs yeah yeah no more minivans i mean the minivans being phased out Man, that would be that would be a big topic of discussion right if you uh if we got a if we got like a a toyota or honda like like person from like toyota or honda like big time person that the person like designs minivans and be like hey what happened to the mom van like why the why the soccer van move away has there been like a correlation of like players getting out of the game of soccer? Yes. The minivan sales dropping. Yeah, that's a big that's a yeah. Or I like Vol- or like Volvo, right? Volvo used to be the soccer mom car, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like the station wagon. Like what, it what went happened? Down. Yeah, what went is, down. yeah, what is players went down. That's right. Maybe there is. Oh man. Soccer just taking over the world, even in and things like as cars. Hey, well, you got Toyota, Honda, Ford, you know, let's partner up. Let's get these people back in some minivans. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get a D soccer podcast minivan. If someone, listen, if someone wants to give us a minivan, we will, we will pimp it out. We will put soccer, we'll put soccer, we will bring the soccer van back. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll have a little project. I will drive. I will drive the minivan. I'm happy with it. Every game, every game, every game. We well, like I'll, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. They have that. They have yeah, that they got. They got. They got. The, they got a car. Yeah, it'll just be me. Nobody else. But uh, I'm not soccer day, and I'm not. I'm not filling the minivan up. Um, so that's the other thing. Like people just went out and bought Mazdas instead. So that's where that's where the kids going in because kids kids going in Mazdas now. Hey, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. First week of rec coming up tomorrow. 
Yeah, over spring break. I don't know. Um, I know we wanted to push it back, but it's over spring break, so we'll see how the first weekend goes. It might be two weeks of a first weekend. Yeah, but I mean that might not be a bad thing. Lighter numbers to start off is always always a little bit easier to manage. Uh, the discovery program starts up tomorrow, so that's going to be really exciting um, and really, really, really fun. So that that's that's fun. Rec soccer is always a, a really good day to kick yeah, off numbers, rec soccer. Numbers have grown tremendously. Like we're almost back to what we were before the pandemic. Like, yeah, kids are back out. Yeah. Think people feel comfortable with where we are in life and see, hey, we did it in the fall. We're, we trust that you guys can do it in the spring as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, it'll be really good. The other thing that just launched uh, is the pre-juniors and the pre-rep academy. Dwayne, what, what's the pre-juniors and the pre-rep academy? Yeah, so the uh, pre-juniors and the pre-rep academy are programs for um, our younger rec players. So um, basically, if you were born anywhere between 2009 and 2014, um, you're able, boys and girls, you're able to participate in these programs. And basically, what they're geared is to kind of condition our players to see, you know, what the travel side looks like. You know, sometimes we get that, do I fit? Do I not fit? So they would be in a program for six to seven weeks, training with the coach, kind of in a travel-like environment to better condition them to, if they want to make that transition, you know, it's a, it's an easier transition than like a big step where you're like, I have no idea what I'm getting into. I don't know anybody. Like, yeah. goal is to be able to have, you know, groups of players move on together and transition into teams together. Yeah, it's such a such a such an important um, program to have those transitional programs. We haven't had one in a while, but the last time we did it, it, it was really really successful, and we had a really a lot of fun with it. So I'm I'm really glad you you and Anthony are are leading the charge to to these new transitional programs that I think are extremely important uh, for the future of the club. So that's really good. So somehow I have three of these programs all running on the same day in different parts of the state. If there's anybody that can do it, is you. I believe in you. We'll we'll figure it out. But yeah, we've got <laughs> we've got these things, these Friday programs popping up everywhere. Yeah, fun Friday, man. Fun Friday. Fun Friday. Uh, Dwayne, we're gonna flip the script today. We are we are not interviewing somebody. Somebody's coming to us and going to be giving us topics, which is really cool. Um, so one of our most fun guests, because I was going to say funnest or funner, but like, obviously that's not a word. Uh, so, uh, one of our most fun guests that we've had on the podcast and somebody that we've been talking to since she's been on the podcast, almost on a weekly basis with, uh, and that's Linda, Linda's back from strive. Um, so strive, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, strive is coming into our podcast once a month to present a leadership topic or a topic in general of discussion because they're the experts on that part. And we're going to, we're going to try to relate it to soccer and just have fun with it. Uh, so Linda and Caroline, take it away. Awesome. Thank you, Seb. I appreciate it. I didn't know that we had to be grammatically correct on this podcast. So that is well noted down uh, and we'll be making sure to use our best English. I think, I think it's that, uh... it's that one's right next to the bleep button right there. <laughs> You might you might need your hand on the buzzer then while while I'm here, but uh, nah, awesome. Now we're 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 excited to to get to be here and hang out and and talk about stuff that we love, stuff that you love, and and hopefully that that everyone else loves. Um, and I think uh, to, you know today we we really wanted to to talk about uh, something that's I think a buzzword in in 
every sport um and and especially in 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 soccer and college soccer and and pro sports which is like culture right and everyone's always like oh you want to come here because of the culture or yeah yeah we got we, we got a great culture and i think um we've seen some like really cool examples of this even like uh just now in like march madness in 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 the women's bracket with with arizona and you're seeing kind of their camaraderie and everyone talking about their culture and i think everyone always thinks about it as like once someone wins you talk about the culture like oh yeah we won because right and really no one's no one really thinks about it as like it actually has to precede success right like the culture isn't bred because of success like the culture breeds success um and and that it doesn't just happen. Some of the things we talk about at Strive all the time is like, we know happen, but like, doesn't mean it's a good culture, right? And like culture happens, you know, multiple ways, either by a dominant person and everyone follows that person, dominant people, um, or, or it happens if you like really intentionally create it. And I think that's, that's what we want people to think about is like, what are you creating? Like, and like, why are you creating it, right? Um, so like, if, like all of you, like think about like, what is your like favorite team you've ever been a part of? Like, like just any team you've ever, and you're just like, this was the team, right? No matter what. Like, I mean, Caroline, what, what are some of the things that stand out to you? And like, what, what was your favorite team? Like, why? Why they? Absolutely. So I think I don't want to upset anyone's feelings by which team I pick here, um, but I'm going to go way back for me. And the favorite team that I was ever on was actually my like travel soccer team growing up. Um, and before coming on today, I was trying to think about why, why that meant so much to me and why that meant so much to me compared to the club teams that I played on growing up or why that even meant more to me than honestly like college and, and past that as well. And the reason was because we had a shared culture already and that was just growing up in the same town. So we were all a bunch of kids coming from the same hometown. Um, and our hometown was a pretty tight knit community. Um, I grew up outside of Boston. I compare it to neighborhoods around here is very different because outside of Boston, the town's there. You feel when you leave another town, you, you can tell that you're exiting and entering into a new one here. They all kind of mix together from what I get. Um, so our, our towns, we had the town rivalries and everything. And so growing up, there was so much shared culture and so much shared experience that being able to play along with those people and all share the same goal, um, it was just so, so close and so tight knit. Um, and when we talk about like culture being the things that everyone does repetitively, we grew up doing the same stuff. There were variations obviously, but we all grew up going to the same mall, et cetera. Um, and so it was, it was like playing with your family. Um, and I think, as a, as a coach, that's what you try to create is that family atmosphere. And so we were lucky to have it growing up and I played with the same group of people for eight years or so. So that's, that's more than you can say for college or club. Um, but I'll, I'll pass it off to someone else as well. Yeah, And I think, and I think, I think you hit on, you hit on something really important here is like, when we think about and talk about culture, it, it's this idea that it, it's not necessarily just a feeling, but it's like, what are most of the people doing most of the time in most of the spaces, right? That's that, that's how that's how we teach it all the time. It's like, it's not something you just sit and hope for and wait for like, oh, I hope we have a culture where people arrive on time. I hope we have a culture where people work hard. Like, it's like saying, well, like, are we? 
are we? And like, what are, what are we doing to like put that put that into in, into motion? Um, the the way I always like when, when I'm trying to get people to really think about culture, the the way I always express it is, um, all right, everyone in here, uh, think of your favorite fast food restaurant. Favorite fast food restaurant. I'm not endorsing fast food right now, but think of your favorite fast food restaurant. Uh, somebody, somebody, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne, what's your favorite fast food restaurant? Arby's. Arby's. Why? The Arby's is just—I like the curly fries. <laughs> I like the curly fries. Is there one specific Arby's location you go to where you're like, if I see an Arby's, I feel good about going to the Arby's? Yeah, there's only one around here, so yeah. Yeah. All right. But have you been to Arby's anywhere else in any other? Yeah, state? I have. I have. And we we felt good about the curly fries there. Right. Yeah. You trust the curly fries. We trust the curly fries. Trusting curly fries. I'm gonna get you a t-shirt with that. Seb, what's your what's your favorite fast food restaurant? Uh, I mean, being a vegetarian, the only one I can really go to is Burger King. <laughs> Wait, Burger King has vegetarian options? They have an impossible burger, yeah. Oh, oh. not even not even McDonald's fries are vegetarian. Really? Yeah, they're He's cooked done in, his they're, research. They're cooked in uh like oil with meat and stuff on it. So yeah, and it's all oh, off well, topic. I mean, that's probably the taste. KP, where are we going? Where are we going? Um, I don't consider it fast food, but Chick-fil-A all day, every day. <laughs> not all day though. That's that's that well, not every day. That's a bold side. That's a bold That's when you crave it. On Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So so here's the thing, right? That's that's culture though, right? Like Dwayne is going to Arby's because he trusts the curly fries, no matter where these curly fries are at, right? Like Chick-fil-A, you're going to Chick-fil-A. It doesn't matter if you're here, if you're in Texas, if you're in Colorado, you're like, I trust in Chick-fil-A. Like I know what I'm going to experience. A long line. A long line. (laughs) You're going to get some friendly service, aren't you? You're going to, you're going to get some real friendly service, right? So people's brand, right? That's their, that's their culture, right? It's where we feel safe knowing what we're going to get. Right. And successful teams and successful cultures are places where players are really clear on what they're going to get. Right. And that other people know, like, that's that's their brand. It's where you put your time. It's where you put your energy. It's where you put your money. Right. So Chick-fil-A, you know, they are pouring money into their training programs. Right. Into their recruitment and training. Like no shade to McDonald's, but like I just don't think that's where they're putting their money, which that's fine. I'm not going to McDonald's to make me feel good. I'm going to McDonald's to get quick, get your burger, get on out of there, right? Chick-fil-A, if you're feeling down, you might go hang out at Chick-fil-A because you're like, someone's going to make me feel better here, right? And so, like, that's that's what we want to think about with a brand is, like, what, what, what am I going to get? What am I going to expect, right? And that's ingrained in us, right, as humans, is that there's this piece around we want to feel safe psychologically, right? It's why, why we wear certain things and we're like, oh, are you wearing – like if anyone's ever been to the soccer convention, right? Soccer people dress the same. You, you know, you got all your people in your capris, right? You know, you got all your turf shoes on. People are ready. And you're like, you're my people. You're my people, right? We do, right? And that's, it, it means that everyone, everyone feels safe, right? So that's what we want to think about when, when we're with our teams is the minute a kid arrives or a player arrives or a coach arrives, how are they being greeted? How are they, how are they being taught? How are they being talked to? How are they being given feedback to? Because here's the thing. I know no matter what Chick-fil-A it is, when I when I grab my food and go, they're going to say, my pleasure, right? So that, that so what do we do with our teams? How, how do we build that with our teams, right? Um, one of my favorite examples of this, and every everyone should read this book. Um, it is by James Kerr. It's called Legacy, and it is by New Zealand All Blacks. Man, Seb, tell me about it. How good, how good is this book? 
I, I, it is amazing. I talk about it all the time. In general, I'm, I was a big fan even before I read the book of, of watching the, the all blacks do the haka and, and all that stuff. And in general, just that, that culture of it. But I did never really understood it until I read the book because all you think is just like, oh my God, this team's just a winning machine. Like, you know, most successful team ever in sports. Yeah. And so, um, but then you really dive deeper into the, into their culture right as you said it and and you're just completely amazed as to like it has nothing to do with like it really like the driving force is in the winning right the results are are because of of their culture um and, and it's just some of those life lessons like for me the the plant seeds for trees you'll never see grow is a, is a big one for me and then the other one um was was it sweeping the shed yes um like those those things that's just like being able to pass it along to somebody else, not realizing like, and sometimes we fall into this culture, especially in high school sports or even college sports of like, oh, the freshmen have to like carry the ball back or the equipment and stuff like that. And sometimes like, while I agree that that newer players when they're underclassmen and things like that have, there's a learning curve to it. I also don't necessarily fully buy into the idea that like, just because you're the younger, t- you're the younger player and because they did it to you, if you're the older player, you now have to make, you have to make it like for somebody else to do it. But I think that there's things that can be passed on to help out. I think, you know, when you talk about culture, like what, you know, when players come in, like we have a big thing at Delaware union where when a new player comes in, like for the majority of our practices, as players start to arrive, there's also, there's some sort of small game going on. Um, And, and the big thing for us is like, Hey, how you doing? Welcome. I'm coach Sebastian. Uh, jump in right there. Go ahead. I uh, call somebody's name. Hey, get them in and playing. That's it. Like that's as much as the instruction as I get after that, our players kind of take over and our players become um, our ambassadors to a certain extent, right? They're, the, they're the example of our culture. They're, they're the ones that live it day in and day out. I can preach it all I want. Cause I I'm, I'm part of the club and, and, and I'm a decision maker in the club, but ultimately at the end of the day, our culture is shown by our players. If our players and our parents, right, you, you show up and, you got parents yelling at coaches in a practice or something like that. You got no, like for us, like, you know, our parents hang out and like watch our practice, but at the same time, they just have conversation conversations, little kids hang out with other little kids and just play around. Like they get together and run with like a siblings. And so in our first question is at the end of a practice. And I've done this with, with seven, eight and nine year olds. And I've done it with 18 year olds after the first practice. My first question is, do you have fun? That's what I look for. If you didn't have fun, like, and and I'm going to know the answer before you even give it to me, um, because I'm going to know how long it takes you to answer the question. Um, But that's what I'm looking for. Did you have fun? If you had fun, good. I achieved my goal. Whether, whether you want to join my club, not join my club, whether you learn something, not learn something. I don't really care about that at that point, but that's going to tell me right away if this is a good fit or not. Did you have fun? If you didn't have fun, all right, what went wrong? Like where, where did it all fall apart? Yeah. And I think, I think for me, I, I, I sweep the shed is one of my favorite, favorite go-tos. Right. But what I, and I love that you brought up the hucker as well. So this, this ritual, ritual dance, right. Which from the outside, a lot of this stuff um, looks performative, right. It looks like it's for other people. And we see this, we see this with teams all the time, successful, unsuccessful teams where you're like, Oh, they're just doing like a chant or they're, they're wearing a shirt or like they're doing something. You're like, who's that for? And like, it, it doesn't mean you have to understand, but it's not truly deeply in their culture if 
it's not done because of something else, right? And, and culture is built on real clear core values, right? And that's what this book Legacy dives into, right? It's like they're sweeping the shed, not because they want someone to post on Instagram and be like, yay, look, the New Zealand All Backs clean, clean their locker room after the game. And like, oh, they did the hucker and that looked really intimidating. It is, it is for no one else but themselves. It is, it is for them, it is for their value, it is for their intrinsic motivation, right? And it's like you said, like at the end of your practice, you're asking, did you have fun? Not because you're like, man, I want to feel good and I want you to pretend like you had fun. It's like a genuine, like, this is our scoreboard, right? We have said this is what we value, and this is how we're gonna, this is how we're gonna live this out, right? I think what happens a lot is we see these these big teams doing these cool things, and like we try and just copy it. We're like, oh my god, that sounds so good. Like, I I also want to have that like tagline or that hashtag, or I wanna, I wanna have that chant, or like I wanna do this thing. And it's like those the the what is is actually irrelevant. It's it's the why, right? It's the why. So like the the planting seeds, right? The the all blacks talk about like. Your only job as a member of the All Blacks is to make the team better and influence those those that come before you. The same as you said, like, oh, making young people carry water bottles or do the equipment, there's something to learn there. Well, if there's a reason, then it makes sense to. But if there's no reason and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, right, that's that's not an intentional culture. I always use, um, like, the military and, like, the Navy SEALs and all this as an example because everyone always thinks, like, they're tough and they work them hard and they go through hell week. If you actually sit down and look at like why they do everything, right? It is like precisely designed for the things they care most about to have the outcomes they want. And at the end of the day, they still have a rule that is leaders eat last, right? Which means even though they're put through hell week, even though they're put through all this, what may seem like performative stuff, when they go to eat, their, their leader, the person who's been putting them through that eats last. That's the rule, no matter what, because they believe that leadership is looking after your team. So again, it's not performative. It's a rule. It's a tradition. It's a ritual. It's a motto that is rooted in in core values, right? And so that's when we talk about culture, it's deciding what matters most and then what does it look like, right? They're not what does it look like and then decide we want that to be that way, right? Because once you've, you've said this matters, you can you can share it with the parents. You can share it with the players. Every, everyone now has a scoreboard. We know how to win, right? Um, when we think about when, when we think about okay, I want players to do, uh, to to work hard. All right, like, but why? Why? Like, why? Why do we even want them at our club? Why do we even want them on our team? Like, like, be honest from the beginning. Like, what is it you value so they know that they can grow in that? Like, is it respect? Is it hard work? Or is it like we just want to win? Which that's fine, but say it, say it. Right. Um, and, and I think and I think even in that, when we think about culture, culture's thrown around with this word leadership so often where it's like, oh, we like you come to our team, like we're going to build you as a leader. Like, what does what does that even mean? Right. Like it means something different to all of us. Like, Carolyn, if you if you think about like some of some of the greatest leaders, like either either in the world right now that you've played or worked with, like who who comes to mind? Like what what comes to mind for you? Yeah, I have one thought just connecting to you're you're talking about like the w's of culture like the what the why and i would even add to that the where because coach seb you brought up um 
how your culture is lived. It's not just preached about, it's lived. And that's the most important thing. And so when you talk about like the where of culture, if what your team is doing on the field in front of um, spectators looks drastically different than what's happening behind closed doors, that's not in, that's not intentional culture. But it's so exciting to hear of teams that at practice are preaching the same things that they're going to ask their players to do. Um, an example that I always think about, um, and this may, slightly answer your question, Linda, is um, my high school team growing up, we had this big tournament that was a town-wide thing where you played against our rival town. And every year before the game, our team would go into a locker room, turn all the lights off and listen to the Any Given Sunday speech. Um, That is a weird speech to choose for a bunch of like 16, 18 year old girls, but like we were really into it. Um, And that was done behind closed doors. That was done literally in the dark because it mattered to us and it set the tone for us. It wasn't something that we needed to do out onto the field. It wasn't something that even our coach was involved in, but living that culture and having every single person bought into it really, really mattered. And and we knew that game mattered because of the way everybody acted. So I think when we talk about leaders, um, I don't, I don't have someone that's like a big star or anything like that. Um, The person the people that I believe have been the most significant leaders in my life are the people that just kind of did things and didn't care who was watching. Um, That being said, I would bring up Brianna Scurry as my like OG leader Um, just because she was so different from what we were used to seeing in the keepers game. Um, She was aggressive. She was intentional about everything that she did and and I just love being able to watch a, a strong female lead like that as a as a young girl growing up playing soccer. So that would be my person. I forgot we haven't even like actively bullied you for being a goalkeeper. <laughs> You've like literally just given yourself away as well. I sure right? did. I sure uh, did. That's all right, Caroline. I got your back. That's that was my position growing up too. So. I know. I, I we have strength in numbers here. So oh, that doesn't usually happen either. Uh, you you bring up this great great point. Another you know another book that I always talk a lot about. I I, I love reading and is is the book that's the captain's class, right? And it, it really does talk about this like it takes these successful teams right sports teams from cricket to volleyball to rugby to soccer and it looks at like who were their influential leaders and then what what things did they have that that they were that they were similar um and and one of the things that it talks about is like this willingness to do thankless jobs in the dark right to like when we see on tv we see the motivator the outgoing, the mouth, the loudness. And it's like, those those weren't actually always the captains, right? Or those aren't always actually the leaders. And it's not to say that there's one one right way to lead. I certainly don't believe that. Um, But what I believe is, is that your leadership needs to be 100% connected to your culture. Your your captain or your your named leader, whatever it is, needs to be the, the embodiment of what you have said your core values are. Right. That's that's again, we go back to this scoreboard. Right. If, if I say that the club that I run or the team I'm running, that growth, uh, respect and, and passion are, are three core values and I define what those are, then the person who embodies those the most, most often in the most spaces with the most people, that's that's then my leader. 
right? That's and that's and that's something that we want to talk about all the time, right? The same way that if we're we're coaching a center forward, right? And we're like, listen, if the ball goes out wide, you make one of three runs, right? Front post, middle, back post, right? I'm gonna know if you were successful because I'll know if you've made the run. We've got to do the same with leadership, right? If you display passion, growth, or respect, right, then I know you've been successful. And even though the, those are those are big picture questions, there's there's an activity that I always get people to do, which is um, which is take each one of those words and then write down three ways that everyone could live that out, right? So if we say respect, right, respect means something different to everyone. You, how many arguments do we have where people are like, "You're being disrespectful," and you're like, "Am I?" Like, okay, we we definitely mean something else. But if I'm a coach and like you lot on my team, and I bring you in and say, "All right, at practice, what's one tangible?" Coach said. At practice, what's one tangible way we as players can show respect to each other? What's what's something we can do? Um, it's inter- it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question because I think it brings up a lot of different possibilities. I think for me, um, uh, respect to me is uh, I, a big one for me is listening to the person that's talking. Great, awesome. So we we can write down respect is listening to the person that's talking. We can. We can do a checklist of that, right? Is are you doing it? Yes or no? Okay, great. Uh, Dwayne, what's something? What's what's one way that at practice I would be able to tell that 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 we're showing respect to each other? Um, one of my big things is the ball has to be like one of the coaches is talking. The ball has to be on the ground, like no one's touching a ball, juggling a ball, playing with the ball. Perfect, perfect. So we've got listening when someone else is talking. Ball has to be on the ground when coach is talking. Caroline, what's what, what's one way that we would know that respect is happening? I think it's 100% effort or whatever your 100% looks like that day. Um, right. So coming to the field and being ready to play. 100% effort. And there's even that layer of like coming ready to play. So having equipment, having that. All right. So we've now just made a scoreboard of what respect looks like on any given moment at our practice. Right. Now the coaches know it. The players know it and we can let the parents know it, right? And so now, instead of the conversation after the game, after the practice being like, did you score? Did you do good? Be like, how did you show respect? How did you do with showing respect? Did you get 100%? Ah, oh, there was one time I like got distracted and I was juggling the ball. Okay, like we we need to do better, right? Or like I, I did forget my shin guards and like being respectful is being prepared and ready to go and, and I didn't do that. Okay, so now we need to improve. We also now know who's who's going to be our leaders, right? It's the person who is doing that the most, most of the time, most of the spaces, right? And that translates to games. This translates to games. This translates to you. We could do the same again with passion. We could do the same. Uh, we could do the same again with growth. But that that becomes your culture, right? That becomes how you live it out, and 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 that becomes this how how are we going to define leadership and who's going to be the leaders on our team instead of. The person who's been alive the longest and making it your seniors, right? The person who has scored the most goals because I'm unsure how scoring the most goals makes you the greatest leader, but here we are most of the time. Um, and, and and you have that you have that way to talk about it, right? You have that way to talk about it. And so the, we call these personal success rhythms or team success rhythms. You could literally make a bingo board of it, right? You could put the words at the top. And you say, like, this is exactly what it will look like in a game, exactly what it will look like in practice. And here, parents, here, here's your score sheet. You want to score your child? You want to score other people's kids? Because I know how much we love doing that, right? Like, you want to you think about it? Here it is. This is the ultimate player 
at our club, on our team, on any given day, we'll be doing these things. And notice how none of us really were like, oh, well, respect means like playing the perfect 30-yard ball. You know, I, I think I think that's a big thing. I think one of one of the things that stood out to me, we were um we were really lucky many years we've been working with with uh the Baltimore Ravens and we've been able to do some workshops at their their practice facility. And um in their giant practice facility, hanging up is like in these massive, massive like steel letters, it just says win. And I was like, all right, cool. Like pro team, they're like super intense. They're like, you know, and Coach Harbaugh always comes in and he gives a speech. And one year he's talking about it and he's like, yeah, we believe in winning. Like we win here. And he's like, but it doesn't mean what you think it means. It means what's important now. He's like, that's, that's one of our mottos. That's one of our core values is that we win in every space, in every room, wherever we go. For them though, it meant what's important now. So when they were lifting weights, what was important now was weights. When they were watching game film, what was important now was game film. When they were with their family, what was important now, it was winning, right? And so instead of somebody being like, oh, I love that motto, I'm going to take it for our team. It's like, no, 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 find what is yours. What, what makes sense for you? And I go back to, look, the ways that you live out culture is through power and hierarchy. It is through mottos. It is through like cool stuff, right? Um, it is through phrases, but it's that it's got a link. It's got a link to something and it's got to mean something. And, and again, it's fine if if I say, all right, I believe it's like this. It's fine if 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 McDonald's, if McDonald's thinks that like their brand is like classy, really healthy, fast food, high-end market. But yet if I ask everyone else, they're like, that's not what it is right? Culture isn't what I think it is. It's what people experience, right? Um, and so, so I, th- I, think, I think that's what we, what we always go back to is like creating those intentional cultures where um, clarity, clarity is kindness. Clarity is kindness. Um, Caroline, like as a coach and as a player, like where, where have you seen like clarity helping out in these things? Or like, like even when, when has it gone wrong? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you're going to talk about where it goes wrong is when there is a drastic difference between what you're preaching and what you're living. Um, I think we have all interacted with coaches who claim to care about X, Y, and Z, whether it's respect, whether it's consistency, et cetera. But then the only person that they're celebrating is the one that's scoring the most goals. And if that's what you care about, that's fine. But when we talk about that psychological safety for your players, for your team, for whomever you're, you're mentoring, um saying what you care about and then acting on it is the best way to make someone feel psychologically safe because they know what to expect from you um and so in my times when i've interacted with coaches who claim to care about one thing for for me i have been a keeper my whole life and i have also been 53 for the majority of my life those two things don't go super well together However, what I could always promise a coach is that my work ethic was going to be the best on the team. I was always doing fitness with the players. I was always consistent about that. And so me and coaches that cared about work ethic, I was their keeper. There were other coaches that were straight up with me that I need a five, eight keeper and that's it. And that's fine. 
That is absolutely okay. It's important to be that way. But the failure is when you tell a keeper, you tell a player that, hey, we care about work ethic. I'm going to go in there because that's within my circle of control. I'm going to go in there and give you my best work ethic. And if I'm not even acknowledged for that, not necessarily in playing time, but just acknowledged for that that work ethic, then then you run into issues. Um so yeah, I would just say keeping that consistency is is so crucial. Um, one of the times that I have seen success with it to switch it to a positive way, and I'm giving everyone like multiple reasons to make fun of me here. Um, so collegiately, I played at Franklin and Marshall College, and if you are familiar with our school, our um, mascot is the diplomats. That's so super intimidating. Um, Ben and John were frequently on the sidelines. Um, and so our, our thing before the game was always, uh, on three go dips. So like, again, adding to really, really, um, intimidating feelings, but at practices, what we would do is we got dip shields and they were these little tiny, like shield things that were rewarded to people that, we're showing our core values. And we had a board that we presented. And this was something, and this was a really great way to reward and acknowledge the players that maybe weren't on the starting 11 every time, but they were showing up to practice and they were contributing to the team. And just having that physical reminder that this stuff matters made what my coach was saying matter and feel consistent versus a coach coming on there and saying, I care about all of this stuff, but then I'm never going to acknowledge it. So I think that consistency is just what matters. What I, I find it really interesting. There's two things that I, I, I've been thinking about. Um, so one, when Linda, when you were talking about leaders, one thing that popped out in my head was, was messy. Um, mostly because uh, again, having been Argent, being Argentinian, um, you, I, and I watch a lot of Argentinian television from a soccer standpoint, um, and there's a lot of criticisms that go along with with him in general as a player because he's never been able to produce what he's produced at Barcelona and Argentina and all these other things. But the other part was because he wasn't the captain that everybody thought he should be, right? Because he's not the one that's going to like do this like massive pregame talk and like get in somebody's face and all these other things. He's he's re- generally a quiet person. Um, and at first, I, I, I'll be honest, at first... Um, I did, I kind of believed that I was like, ah, he shouldn't be the captain of the team. Like it doesn't make any sense just because he's the best player. Like it doesn't because I equated that the leader, he, I, I thought the only reason why he was the captain was because he was the best player until I dove deeper into him in general as a player. I watch a lot of interviews when he was like 18, 19 years old. Um, I've watched a lot of interviews of, of his former teammates talking about him in general and and everybody says exactly the same thing that he's a very low key person. That he, if he could go like if if he could ha- find a way to in his life go to the grocery store by himself, he could he would like that kind of stuff. But in general, on the field, you're like at times, um, you're watching him play, and he's like the guy. The guy's giving a hundred percent every single time. He doesn't like to lose at practice. He doesn't like that. That's what makes him a leader in the field. Like he doesn't like he's constantly wanting to push himself. And others want to be like, well, man, if this guy is the best player on the on the team, and he's constantly pushing himself to be better than like what, like I can't not push myself because I'm clearly not at his level. So like I need to push even harder. So like that ends up being that leadership quality that he has. And again, he's not the outspoken one, right? So he's not going to be the one that's going to be like, 
you're not going to hear him talk a whole lot. And when you do, it's at times a little interesting. And, um, but so that was, that was one thing. The next thing that, that I, that I thought about and Caroline talked about this too, was with culture, right? So we started seeing as we've gone through the last five years through a big cultural change, I believe in the, in our club, um, where, where now the, the people that don't fit your culture, end up being the the outliers at times and at and at times the that what used to be that like oh man this team is not happy so this entire team is going to leave and all these parents are riled up and all this other stuff what turns out to be now it's like what we've found and if with a few people is that like other parents are coming up and going hey listen like i don't think this person fits here like and it's not because the kid can or cannot play it might be like hey listen the parents are just obnoxious like i don't think they're they're in it for the same reasons than we are. Um, so then, so then ultimately that that's, that's a, for me, that's a big thing of like a big achievement for us to have that cultural mind shift of like, it, this person doesn't fit in our sideline. Like maybe it's their time to go somewhere else and find what they're looking for. And if that's winning every single game, then good for you. See you later. Right. Like, and that's fine. Right. Like if that's what you're really looking for. That's what you want our ten, your 10 year old to ultimately achieve is winning every single game. Um, and the last thing was um, this thing about like what's important. So I, I coach a I coach a group of uh, of eleven and, and ten and eleven year olds. Um, and and we had a pretty rough fall from a from a results perspective. We played some really difficult teams, but again, my my whole thing with the girls has always been about their 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 growth their growth and like developing, developing, developing. And then there's, we have this player and Dwayne knows what I'm talking about who might be the most, the person that's probably grown like the most in our team. Everyone's grown, but she went from like being towards the bottom of the team to now, like really just making a complete difference. Like, um, and my whole thing with her has been every time she comes off the field, uh, I tell her, Hey, listen, like, that was the best I've ever seen you play. And she like lights up. And I've said it to her. Like I went through a period of time where like, I said it to her like three weekends in a row. And I was like, Hey, you know, remember what I told you last week? She's like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to tell you to, to tell you again. By the third time she was like, really again. And I'm like, yeah, like, because you've played better today than you played before. So like, yeah, of course, absolutely. I'm going to tell you that's what is important. I don't care if we're losing. At the end of the day, like obviously, again in the moment, I'm 100% competitive. Dwayne was Dwayne was with me in a game where we were winning, and I was extremely upset because we were not playing well. Um, but like I'm extremely competitive, but but at the same time, I'm also like looking out for the fact that we're talking about a 10 year old player. So like, what's important really in the grand scheme of things for me? It's for her to develop, right? Like, it, it's not for like, yeah, I might win one game, I might lose a game, I might tie a game, I might I might win three games in a row who cares? Like, so those things really stood out to me as, as you guys were talking about that. Yeah. And I think, I, I think you hit on such a good point. Like I love winning. My gosh. I, I love winning. I don't watch football on TV to watch the team who loses. Like I, like I love winning. Like, and I think, and I think sometimes when people talk about culture and um, they think like, well, we'd like, we don't, we're not going to talk about winning. Like let's talk about it. Right. Cause like winning is also important. Like, that's otherwise we wouldn't be keeping score. Like we just wouldn't. Right. However, it's connecting it to the right thing. It's getting there in the right way. Right. And I, and I say, I, you know, when I, when I was a college coach and I was recruiting people, um, and this is, this is to go along with what you said, uh, Seb is like, 
once you've established a culture, the people who aren't the right fit, that they just won't be a part of it. Like when I was recruiting people, I was as honest as I could possibly be. And that's not to say other coaches lied or anything, right? But, you know, our job relies on recruiting and retention, right? But I knew if the wrong person got attracted to my program, that was actually going to lose me more players in the long run than, than it would elsewhere. But the easiest way, and parents would tell me like, oh, so like, what, why should my kid come here? And I'd be like, listen, if you end up spending a day with me and a day with my team and you want to be a part of it, then you're the right fit. If you're like, well, like, I hope maybe they're not like this. I was like, no, like you're going to experience it. And if this is what you like, you want to, you want to be a part of, right? John Gordon writes about this in, in, in the energy bus, right? You, you want to make your bus clear. You want to get the right people on the bus. The other people will get off if they don't want to be on that bus, or you got to give them a nudge off the bus. And then you can get the right people in the right seats, right? It's not about being like, okay, like, like we're winning. And now, now how do we keep it like this? It's saying now, nah, listen, we're, we're, we're going to build, we're going to build to get there. And uh, I had to laugh about, about your, your go dips uh, shields, Caroline, because my players, oh my gosh. Uh, I will beg them for forgiveness one day. It was a great idea for the season. And, and one, when I stick with something, I stick with something. But uh, there was one year that our, um, uh, with our team at Emory and Henry College, we, we talked about how like everyone just had to take care. We, we talked a lot about self-responsibility and accountability. That was one of our core values was like, you got to take care of what's in front of you and, and maybe a little bit to the left and maybe a little bit to the right. But if everyone did that, we would build the world's strongest wall, right? Because if you just focus, like you focus on you, you hold yourself accountable. And so we got them all bricks, like full on bricks. And everyone was allowed to decorate their brick how they wanted and write their own personal core values. And it was great. And I was like, and we're taking our bricks everywhere. And when we get there, we're going to build them up on the sideline. And like we did, but like, I was like, oh, these poor girls were with their with their backpacks travel on travel days with a flipping brick in it, right? And I literally would have recruits who were like, Will I have to carry a brick? And I'm like, well, I think we're maybe doing this for one season. Um, so so for my players, if any of them hear this, they know I owe them an apology for literally carrying bricks around for also, the entire season. I mean, I mean, what was your roster size? Oh, we had like 20 24 25 on my roster so that that's so so you you, you put 20 missing. you put 24 bricks together like from a from a visual perspective it's also not very threatening either it's really not like it's this like really, massive <laughs> structure no, it this? wasn't very threatening and also because like my girls were very arts and crafty in fact <laughs> one of them um so she, it looked like a very really happy wall oh one of them she painted the entire brick bright yellow bright yellow put a smiley face on one side and wrote joy on the other side and don't get me wrong this represented this player more than any human i knew right like that was she played with joy my gosh if you want to talk about somebody who was an and like they were like positive supportive caring filled with joy and you knew if you were in a tackle with her my gosh, you were off onto the other side of the field if you went into a 50-50 with her. But so she would be walking around with her like joy-filled brick and like put it on the sideline. But like that was our that was our culture. Like we, it was something we could go back to and be like, listen, don't stop worrying, stop being like, well, she did this. Or take care of what's in front of you. Did you take care of you? And so again, it wasn't, I'm not to say like, oh, everyone, I'm actually saying the opposite. Go get a brick and do this. But that was our culture. And our parents on the team, they knew like, oh, 
like I can ask my kid about their brick, right? Um, so, so you know, that's, that's some of the things we talk about. Like we talk about what do we reward and what and how do we reward it, right? So like strive at our sports. Uh, we have a sports academy. And at the end of every day, the, the person who most embodied the theme of the day, which is a, usually a, a leadership competency, empathy, uh, risk, um, grit, they get awarded a red shirt right? Kind of like the Tour de France where you get a yellow shirt, they get a red shirt and they get to wear that the next day. And it's like one in each sports program. And like, it's amazing to watch our like high performing athletes, like day one sitting in the audience and they're like, Hey, you know, we're announcing the red shirts. And like, they don't get it like devastated day two, they don't get the shirt day three. And then they're like, what, how do I get the shirt? And we're like, well, what's the theme of the day? Just, just do the theme of the day. And, and it's just like mind shift of like, what's getting rewarded versus what is usually rewarded. Um, and I talk about that from personal experience as somebody who attended the camp and couldn't get a red shirt until day seven. I was very angry about this situation, but I got it. I got my red shirt. <laughs> it, it's funny. What, so you, we talked about like um, the things that professional teams and things like that do. And at times they're, they're mostly for like, again, from a, from a viewer's perspective, you're watching it from home or, or from an arena or whatever, it looks like it's just like, oh, everybody does it, right? So what I find fascinating, I'm a big fan of the NBA. I'm a big fan of San Antonio Spurs specifically in the NBA. Um, and what I really find fascinating is the culture that of players that has been built in that program. It's, again, it's the idea of like give up a great pass for somebody else to have a, a even better, better shot, right? Or give up a good shot for somebody to have a great shot. What I really find fascinating in general about the NBA is – um, and I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, I, I really, I enjoy getting to, to games whenever I get to go see a lot, see them live. I got, I like showing up early. A, I like to watch warmups. I enjoy warmups. And the other thing that I really like to watch, which you never get to see in an actual, like on the TV is the, uh, the, the little ceremony that happens for the home team. I love me a good, like 30 second pump up video, love a good pump up video. But I, what I love even mo most, more, uh, especially in the NBA, um, is the introduction of the starting lineup. Not because of the starting lineup itself, but for the player that isn't in the starting lineup, whose only job is to do handshakes with every single person in the starting lineup. Like, that person, that's their one job. And guess what? If that person started... They, nobody else would do it, or I'm assuming they have a backup. I would, I would, I would, but so that person knows that their role is to not to never really start because that's their role, and to pump up every single player that like comes in. Um, and it's also why I generally love watching like whenever whenever somebody scores a three pointer, the, the bench, right? The bench jumps up. Um, Everyone has a like a different like hand sign or something like that for specific players that score three pointers and stuff like that. Like in the Spurs for me, Patty Mills is a player that I, I find fascinating. Um, and I've listened to a podcast of him talking about the fact that he wasn't the tallest player. So for it was for him, it was gonna be about like work ethic and like grinding and stuff like that. So um, so when he got to the Spurs, his big thing was like, all right, how do I stand out in this in this in this sea of like amazing stars, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, like, how, what do I do now? Like, what, like, what's my role? And his role was to basically, again, like, just be the biggest supporter of that team. So, like, someone scored a three, he was off of his seat. 
waving a towel up and down, right? Like that to me is extremely important because that's not the person that's getting the most points, right? Like if you look at the stat sheet and, and if you, and if you would look at the stat sheet now, and that's why I love watching, looking at stat sheets of the San Antonio Spurs, they're, they're, they're consistently inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, like you don't have a player that's scoring 35, 40 points. That's an anomaly in the San Antonio Spurs. Everyone's scoring 10, 15, 20 points. They might win a game with 130 points, but guess what? They got eight or nine guys that scored 10, 12 points and stuff like that. So like those things to me really stand out. Everyone needs a personal hype, hype man or woman. That's what that's what that's what we need in our lives. It's have you ever um there's there's a team. I, I actually use this video in a lot of the work that we do. Uh the Mammoth uh men's basketball team, uh D1, I think they're up in, in New York. Yep. That yep. they feel like their their bench players like are famous for their on the bench celebrations, right? There's like these four dudes who like never play. And like they are just committed to doing the most ridiculous celebrations on on the bench. Like they're doing like wrestling moves. They're doing like the fishing moves. Like they do all these things. But like that, they like ESPN did like a top ten like but like bench celebrations, right? But like again, right? I guarantee you, if you sit down and you're like, what did what does this team value, right? It's about fun. It's about teamwork. It's about in, it's about doing what you're supposed to do, right? So it's like it may have started as being like, oh, let's see if we can get on ESPN, but like. You carry on doing it. And like, imagine you're the guy on the court who's just scored and you see the person who's never played celebrating that hard, right? That's a gift to both because as a player, it, there's nothing worse than, than, than feeling like you're succeeding and be like, there's four people sitting there who are like, man, I wish I had that person's job, right? It's my, my college coach. I remember she reamed us out one time. I think we may even have won the game. Reamed us out because she's like, not one of you looked at each other when you high-fived when you subbed out. And she like lost her mind about this. And we're like, okay, not that big a deal. She's like, it is a big deal. She's like, what are you, the last moment before your friend, your teammate is going onto the field, the last thing they see is sadness and disappointment and anger in your face. Like, what have you just done to your teammate? And it was like such a poignant moment for me because I was like, you're right. In that moment, I'm only thinking about me. Like I'm not, I'm coming off the field. Why am I coming off? Like I want to stay on. Like and not nothing. I had not thought about how my team was going to be. I like my job in that moment needed to be getting that person to be so ready to go and be like, yeah, I'm glad you're coming on the field. I'm so I'm hype. It's you. I'm glad. Yeah, like, yes, this is great, right? And and so it's those little moments that that are so important. I think that as as coaches, we're going to get it wrong, right? We're, we're never. But like once you give clarity. Like words are great, but clarity, clarity is our friend. Once we can define it, we can all hold each other accountable, right? I'll never forget. I had, a, I had an assistant. He, he was great guy, had never like watched soccer before, right? We, we had a very low budget. We needed an assistant. He was a great human. And, and so he, he became, he became my assistant, my assistant coach. Uh, and trust me, the first time that another team got a penalty and he was yelling at the girls, he's like, do a wall, do a wall. I'm like, we're not, that's, we, we can't, not on this one. We can't, but he, he raised a really good question one time. We were always talking about teamwork and like that the people on the bench are as valuable as the people on the field. Right. And kickoff is about to happen. And before kickoff, what happens? Everyone huddles up, right? Starters huddle up and my, the rest of the team just kind of stands there. And he's like, why don't we have a sideline huddle? And I was like, I, what do you mean? He's like, well, the starters are having their last conversation about what they need to do right now. Like we, 
we need to have a we need to have a bench huddle about what we're going to do in the first five minutes. Like we always say, first five minutes, you know, you're in that huddle. You're like, we're going to go out strong, hit that first tackle, let them know you're there. He's like, we need to do that with our bench. Like the bench needs to know what we need for the first five minutes. And so even if the coach is the one who starts setting that culture and starts setting those core values, once it's clear, others hold it. Others will say, like, listen, coach, we're not doing it. You said you said accountability and teamwork was important, but actually there's there's more players off the field right now, not in a huddle, not being valued than those those who are on, right? Um so so yeah, so that's that's kind of that's 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 what we we talk about a lot. And I and I think I think our, our biggest takeaway is is always is there's a famous quote that's you know, culture, culture beats strategy. And and I think it's not crossing our fingers and hoping for culture, but like making it something that's like just so obvious, right? And it's just talked about and it's it's talked about as much as goals and it's talked about as much as winning championships. Um, and that we talk about it all the time by all the people. And like you said, you'll know when it's happening, when a young person shows up at your practice for the first time or in your office for the first time. And within 30 minutes, if you ask them to be like, what, what's my brand? What's our brand? That they, they'd get as close as they would if you were asking them about, you know, Chelsea, Manchester United, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Miami Heat, whatever it is, right? Um, yeah, so those, 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 those are my thoughts, really. Yeah, and I think like when you're when you're talking about the buy-in and the intentionality behind it, it's there's so much to be said for actually speaking about it because I think so frequently you just assume that your goal is the same as your players or your goal is the same as the person next to you. And if it is not explicitly spoken about, then there can be this disconnect that you never realized happened. And one example that always comes up for me again is throwing it back to like my childhood team. Um, and I feel like the name here is important only because, so the, the name of our team was the dragons. And initially it was called the dragons because we had green uniforms and it, we were kids. And so it was like, we're just going to pick that. The word the dragons means so much more to me now because of the culture that we had in there. And so I don't think about like the, the mythical creature. I think about that group. And one of the most substantial moments for me as a player was we were undefeated all the time we were a great team. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be humble here. We were a great team. And once we turned 13, there weren't enough players to make an entire U13 team. So we had to connect with the U14 team. And that was a league wide thing for the first time ever. Now we're young kids playing against 14 year olds. We weren't going to be undefeated. And my coach, who is also my dad, um, knew that going into the season. And for the first time ever, he had to sit down with us and ask us what our goal was for that season, because for the first time ever, it wasn't going to be to be undefeated. And that was kind of this unspoken expectation. And so we had the opportunity as a team to decide what our why was and as our team decide what we cared about. And that practice in and of itself meant so much to us because we could always refer back to it. And it was something known and spoken about. That was no, that was really good. Um, Linda, Caroline, I think you're you're both hitting some really, really good points, um, which I think it's it's a great opening to to this entire monthly segment that we're gonna have. Um I think 
these are all things that and it's funny you know one, one point linda talked about when we talk about what does respect mean and no point did we talk about like the actual x's and o's of for example we we talked about all the other things and and how important those things are and i think if we can if we can as a in our own small part of the world in our one and 50th of our state you know um we can uh if we can all kind of work towards achieving those goals and when it comes to youth youth people in general and youth athletes and even furthermore soccer um hopefully we'll we'll start some cultural mind shifts that that are heading in the right direction i mean we all talk about them right we um linda and i talked about this weekend with about movies how all these movies constantly talk about like what the good things are supposed to supposed to be yet we for some reason still believe that we should do the opposite we should do what the bad guys in the movies do um so i'm i'm really exciting excited for 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 these conversations once a month to be able to talk to talk to all of you from strive and um and and learn and learn and have discussions and uh not have to lead the interview so i'm i'm excited for that part <laughs> that that's a big that's a big plus for me well, we, we love it. We love it. And we, we certainly appreciate it. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Moving on to the Europa League and the Champions League. Um, Champions League. I mean, it the big the, one game to talk about. There's really well, yeah, there's one game that was a big surprise, I think. Um and that's the PSG Bayern game, which again, not, not I don't know if it's a big surprise. I think it's just hey, it's what the people want. You see PSG Bayern, you say, hey, we want to see goals, we want to see attacking, we want to see all this money you guys have at your club. We want to see it on display. I mean, yeah, in the ten, in the sense that like PSG took five shots on goal, scored three goals, and that's it. Like that's I mean, Bayern held way more possession. Took I mean, did absolutely. I sent you the stats. Like it was. Really severely one-sided so like but i think i mean pochettino ultimately went to the alliance arena and like was like listen i'm not going to try to out here i'm not going to sit out here and try to outplay Bayern. i saw what happened when you try to outplay Bayern. you lost to Bayern. so uh i'm gonna do it my way and if i gotta if i gotta play on the counter and i mean listen it's worked for him before right that's what got him to a champions league final when with when he was a spurs so i mean you think about it like you look about psg's makeup there's only two players you want to get the ball to up top. Get them the ball, you yeah. see what happens, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it yeah. Three, it took three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, counterattacking to its finest there. Yeah, so so obviously PSG winning that game is is important, and we'll see what happens when they go to Paris. I mean, um, she, they scored, what, three or away goals? Yeah, scored three away goals. I mean, Bayern wins 2 nothing. then it's a, it's a game. Or maybe it's a 3-2 and we go into PKs. Let's go again. We'll yeah. I mean... Um, City, was, yeah, uh, City against uh, Dortmund. I mean, that's that that game was interesting. I think again, I think the fact that uh, Phil Foden gets that last minute goal helps. Um, now they got to go to Germany and, and figure out their luck there. Chelsea Porto. Uh, watching the replay or, or the the highlights of it, a little bit closer game than than what I thought it was. Uh, Porto had some chances. Um, I don't know if Chelsea has 11. Like, I don't know if they can figure out who their starting group is. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you, started, have, you started out with two of your nine sitting on the bench, but, like, you see, I don't know. 
it's it was definitely interesting. I mean, the score, the goals they scored were run, were nice. Um, and then Real Madrid, Liverpool. I mean, Real Madrid winning um, at home or pseudo home because they don't. I was going to say it's not even you're trading home. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, but but yeah, I mean, uh, and the thing is, Liverpool's going to have a hard time. They can't win at home, so I don't know what that looks like there. Uh, so yeah, it's, it'll definitely make an interesting. I'm just excited because whoever wins that PSG Bayern game goes against City or Dortmund. I think that's that's the most fun part of it. It's the crazy part, man. City always get the. the I just like the fact that I like. I just love the fact that for for once we know ahead of time what's going to happen. Yeah, like we know who's going to go against who. It, not it, like open to see. Yeah, like it's not like I'm waiting for Friday morning for the draw. Like I already know. Like oh man, this is going to be exciting. Um, <laughs> and then Europa League. Uh, nothing no no big surprises i mean roma beating ajax maybe is a little bit of a of a shocker considering it was in holland um in the netherlands uh so you know united that was a good match though I, I was watching a few minutes of that yeah. it was it was really back and forth yeah arsenal tying slavia prague in Ars- at arsenal um you arsenal's know, probably going to get knocked out by slavia prague Maybe I'd be. I would feel bad for my buddy Fields. Um, and if anybody at our club knows where Slavia Prague is, we'll get you a prize. <laughs> you come up to one of us and say, "Hey, Prague is here. Get a prize." Yeah. Isn't the Slavia Prague? Isn't aren't they the team that we highlighted uh, for playing against Barcelona? No, that might be a different. No, that was a different. It was a different. That was a different. Ball. That was a different, 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 different team. Um, uh, United uh, beating Granada to nothing. Um, somewhat expected, I guess, at that point. And then Villarreal beating uh, Dinamo Zagreb. So uh, Villarreal, man, Spain. Say Spain's got to always have one. Well, Granada's in Spain too, right? Yeah, but you, I don't think Granada's going to go through. So Villarreal is trying to take over that Valencia. Well, they're playing United. If they go through, yeah. Hmm. That would be interesting. Throwing shots, so like if Anthony ever comes back on the podcast, if, oh, United did today, you were right here. Yeah, <laughs> I got this Granada scarf on. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that'll make it interesting next week. Um, so I want to bring up one thing, um, which kind of leads me to my player of the match. So I'm kind of getting ahead of my player of the match. Um, so I listen to a podcast called Orange Slices. Uh, it's Heath Pierce, who used to play on the men's national team for the U.S., and Mark McKenzie, uh, who is now at uh, Genk in, in Belgium, played in uh, Philadelphia Union, who we've talked about on the podcast before. They started a podcast together um, uh, called Orange Slices. Uh, and, and they interviewed different people from from around uh, the soccer world. They interviewed Tim Weah, which was pretty cool. And then just recently, they interviewed uh, Brendan Aronson, which obviously Mark and, and Brendan uh, played together at the union and, and grew up together. So it was really cool. Uh, but what I really liked about the podcast is they talked about uh, uh, big Mark McKenzie, talked about dad McKenzie, uh, and they talked about how he was a referee. Uh, so basically uh, my big reasoning for for them being the player of the match is because they did a really cool podcast. Uh, and I encourage people to listen to that episode of Brendan Aronson. I think he he talks about some really cool things, especially as a player, about himself, like about his effort and and what's really important. 
Um, but at the same time, they also they talk about playing at Philadelphia in the Philadelphia Union. So playing at the Union and, and what that was like um, and the importance of their parents, which are all things we've talked about before. Uh, so I'm going to make sure I tag their podcast. I tag Mark McKenzie. I tag Brandon Aronson when we post our post about this week, because now my goal in life is to get uh, Mark McKenzie or Brendan Aronson on our podcast. There you go. And do a cross. Heath Pierce too. Yeah. Yeah. Cross podcast. Their choice. Oh, (laughs) cross podcast, cross podcast episode. Uh, Multi-podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two for one. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting ahead of my player of the match, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was it. Um, big games this weekend coming up. Uh, two oh, yeah. big games, two big games, I think, for for everybody. Um, but tomorrow, uh, three o'clock, El Clasico. Be in front of the TV, Real Madrid versus Barcelona at at Real, well, at pseudo Real Madrid, uh, at Castilla, basically. They shouldn't even be allowed to host the match. Um, I mean, a big big game considering that that right now the the top three are all divided by three points uh if barcelona wins they go they push ahead of atletico madrid and if real madrid wins they they uh they tie atletico madrid and if obviously if they tie uh, no one really gets anything um well it just it really impacts that title race it does yeah i know for sure because there's really not that many games left uh, I don't so know if anybody plays Atletico again, but yeah, I mean that's it. That, that that's an interesting part, right? So you just don't, in general, have that many matches left. So like, that's going to be the hard part. Is like the competition whoa. in La Liga is basically beat everybody except for like five teams. The teams that make it to the Europa Champions League, and you got to win those matches, and you pretty much win the season. <laughs> there's only nine games left, right? So there's only yeah. nine games left, which is which seems like a lot, but it's really not. So like, if you can pull away now, then you you're setting yourself up. Um, so. Yeah, you're looking at like twenty points, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then the other thing that's coming up tomorrow at I believe it's the one o'clock, two o'clock, or something like that. Uh, hold on, I will find it because I think it's important that people people know about it. If you didn't, because it's it, I feel like it hasn't necessarily been talked about. Um, uh, but the other thing that is coming up tomorrow is the U S women's national team plays against, uh, Sweden. So, uh, that game, um, will be on television. I hope i I think, um, I'm looking to pull it up right now because again, I lost it. I had it and I lost it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the U S against Sweden at 1 10 PM, um, tomorrow so that'll be that'll be a good, good game i think i believe it's in sweden so um the nwsl challenge cup starts tomorrow that that too yeah so that was going to be a topic that's we'll talk about that next week after what what happens with the first couple games so all right so yeah big big soccer weekend rec soccer's coming back uh el clasico u.s women's national team you can just make a day of it um all right who's your player of the match i'm so happy for your player of the match i think it's really funny my boy Antoine Griezmann. He's not really my boy because I don't like how he plays. Um, somehow, some way, this guy has figured out how to have three kids born on the on April eighth. Well, him and his not wife, the same year, with the same wife. April eighth for three different years. 
Yep. 2016, that just, 2019, 2021. Yeah, that is just crazy. Like, you yeah. got to have some luck. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have something. Um, like, yeah. that is just one birthday party swoop for everybody. There's no three or four birthday parties. You eat the cost one time. Everybody gets one cake, <laughs> one party. One now, year. I mean, you're talking about one gift. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a World Cup winner. You're talking about someone that that's played uh, at the elite levels of football for for a long time. You don't think he's 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 racked up enough cash to be able to doesn't do? Matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the principle of it. It's the principle. Be humble. <laughs> be humble. You get one cake. You gotta share with your siblings, no matter what. Hey, you want to get your own stuff? You go pro like I did. And you can buy your own <laughs> stuff. You see all these cars out here. <laughs> you get to drive those in any other day no, no only on april 8th that's the only time you get to you get to drive those cars that's it exactly there's your gift there's your one gift <laughs> once a year you get to drive you get to sit in the car um that's funny yeah it was really it was when i when i it was really funny because when i when i saw the notification on espn come up i had that thought of like oh man that would be a really cool player of the match and like 30 seconds later you texted me that so i thought that was it was perfect. Yeah, that's like the most Zlatan thing like he could do. It's just like all my kids are born on the same day. Like that's immediately who I thought of. It was like Zlatan. I was like Zlatan would be the one that say the kids were born on my birthday. It's not their birthday. It's my birthday. It's, it's like my birthday. <laughs> that would be really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So on this day in soccer history, man, this is an interesting one. This is one of those more more, more far fetched ones. All right, so April 9th, nineteen ninety seven, uh, Coventry was hosting Chelsea for a match, uh, for an EPL match. Oh, well, I don't know if that I don't know if it was called the Premier League at that point. Uh, it, so. it was already, yeah. So all right, so the Premier League match. All right, so uh, Chelsea shows up to play at Coventry. Now Coventry has these like blue jerseys as their home jerseys. Chelsea shows up with their blue jerseys. Somehow they didn't bring any other jerseys with them. And the referee is like, well, you can't like both teams can't go out in blue. Like that makes, I was like, we're, I'm not going to tell you apart. So they're like, all right, well you got two choices. You can either forfeit the game or you can borrow Coventry's away jerseys that are red with black stripes. And you can, you can play in those. Uh, so they, they finally agreed to that Coventry agreed to give them the, their away jerseys and they played Chelsea played with the, uh, with their, with Coventry's away jerseys. Chelsea won the game three to one. Interesting. It, it's still won that day. They, they didn't lose. Yeah. It was such an interesting thought. And, and I think who, who the, the biggest winner of that is the sponsor. Oh Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden they just doubled up man they just went from 11 to 22 Coventry players you got whoever was playing for Chelsea at, the oh, time. at that time now you're putting their picture yeah that picture is going out on well it wasn't social media but I, don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say you were gonna blast I got, on Instagram. hang up the house phone I gotta, I gotta get on the internet <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought about I was like I almost, I almost said Man, their their sponsor was putting that on social media, but else I just remembered 1997. Um AOL, maybe, man. AOL, AOL, maybe you were you were blasting that on your on your aim. 
They're, they're <laughs> hanging up house thugs. You see this? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was the on this day in soccer history. All right, fair play of the week. My fair play of the week goes out to Coach Kyle and Matt Fox. Uh, Matt is one of our volunteers in our rec program, and he has uh, he he painted all of our fields this week. He not only did he do the rec fields, but he also did the fields at Middletown Village, uh, which was awesome because those needed to get painted for this weekend. Um, so that goes big shout out goes out to Matt and then Kyle, Coach Kyle. Uh, for organizing the discovery program for the spring. Like he's got everything down. I literally asked him, I was like, Hey, do you need me to do anything tomorrow? He said, Nope, just show up and just, you know, kind of help direct people if they have questions. So I'm really excited about that part of it. Uh, so he is, uh, he's doing that. So that's really good. Kyle show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm just showing Better. up with my camera. I'm just showing up with my, with my phone and my camera, my new little, new little uh, device that I have for my camera or for my phone. So that I can open some flip flops to like a dad chair. That's right. Yeah. I get to be a dad. My daughter's playing. So yeah, you're right. For yeah. hour for like for that hour she's playing. Then you go. For, then I can put my, I'm a, then I can put my shoes back on. Um, yeah. All right. Who's your, uh, who's your, we give it up to the, uh, 2007 boys coaching staff <laughs> minus myself. I was gonna say, you're giving it to yourself. That's kind of no, minus myself. <laughs> so, uh, coach Rob, coach K and special shout out to coach Dan for taking that team last weekend. Uh it's good, always good to kind of sit back and let other people coach and see what they see with your team. So, like, you obviously see what you need to improve on, what you need to work on, but to have three other sets of eyes kind of lay eyes on it, and you not even be in the vicinity to kind of say, hey, this is what we need to work on to go forward, or the kids understood this, or they saw this, or something you said in practice stuck with this kid. So, big shout-out to them for taking that team, coaching three games, and, you know, Granted, I almost lost all my players to injury somehow. Danny running them into the dirt, but almost pulling off a result at the last game. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. Well, uh, before we wrap up, um, since we have rec soccer this weekend, make sure you follow us on social media. We're going to be posting pictures on there. Facebook We're going live tomorrow. Do it. Uh, Facebook. The only thing, can I give you a suggestion if you're going to go live? Uh, don't forget that, like, when you flip the camera, the, the live camera doesn't switch. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. My apologies to all the viewers out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at the Union Soccer. And of course, our Delaware Union Diamonds, facebook.com slash DE Union Diamonds and uh, Instagram at the Union Diamonds. Um, so yeah. Good, good times, Dwayne. We're gonna, I'm gonna see you bright and early tomorrow. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs> <laughs>